Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to issue one of DC Primetime, which is our new primetime, or DC rather, podcast about the DC universe that is on television currently, uh, including Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, and the new DC Legends of Tomorrow. This is a crossover podcast, which I'm really excited about, featuring myself, Ben Beck, from Next Level, included in this podcast as well is, and I'll turn it over to you. Uh, I am Rob Martin. I am from Caffeine Crew. And I'm TJ. I'm from Caffeine Two, Caffeine Crew Two. <laughs> At least you know where you're from. Yeah. <laughs> Caffeine okay. Crew, the sequel. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's just, this is really kind of nice to do because me and Ben have been wanting to do this for almost eight, like I don't know six months now. So we've been talking about it when he's been on my show, and uh, we're happy that you know with the launch of DC's Legends tomorrow, this is a perfect time for us to start doing this. So. Uh, yeah, with that, Ben, why don't you take us into uh, the bullet point? Yeah, perfect jumping point. But like you said, let's get started with the uh, the bullet point. Uh, for the, Since it's the first podcast, we will explain the bullet point real quick, which is basically where we just give a simple grade to the four shows, the current episodes uh, of these four shows. So this week we have Supergirl episode 10, Arrow's mid-season, or the, uh, the Flash's mid-season premiere, which is also episode 10, Arrow's mid-season premiere, also episode 10, and D. DC's Legends of Tomorrow, episode one. Uh, so we'll start with uh, we'll start with Rob. Uh, let's okay. go through. I know you're not exactly caught up with Supergirl, so we're, right, we'll... right. So uh, real quick, before we get into this, how we're going to grade each of these episodes, we're going to do this on a three scale rating. Uh, the lowest rating and grade that we can give an episode is Sidekick. Uh, our middle of the road review is Hero, and the best of the best is Legend. Uh, and right off on the bat, I'm going to actually have to pass on Supergirl because right now I'm still at only like episode one of the show. Um, before the next episode, I'll probably be binge watching through. I just haven't had a lot of time to play catch up. Um, but as far as getting into the rest of the week, uh, looking at the flash, really good, strong comeback. Uh, I would definitely say that got legend status for me. Uh, arrow, um, it kind of faltered in quite a few ways, but there was some really good positive stuff as well. Uh, I'm going to give that a hero rating for this week, and I would say what the creme de la creme of this week was DC's Legends of Tomorrow also getting a legend uh, ranking for me as well. Uh, how about you, Teach? Uh, okay, so I'm caught up on Supergirl, and uh, this week, this week's episode I'm going to have to give a hero to. Um, Flash, I think, was really good, um, so I'm going to give that one a legend. Uh, I had issues with this week's Arrow, which I'm sure we'll get into later. Um, so I'm going to give that a hero. And then I had issues with DC Legends of Tomorrow, which while I thought was good, I thought could have been better. Uh, and less, maybe a little bit less Bill Cosby. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to give that a hero as well. All right, no problem. How about you, Ben? Uh, starting off, I guess, with Supergirl, I, w- I will give that one a hero as well. I've been pleased with the show so far, but we'll get into details about that a little bit later on. 
Flash absolutely gets a legend uh, status uh, ranking with me on that one. Arrow, I'm with you guys on that one. That's going to get a hero status. And DC's Legends of Tomorrow, uh, legend as well. I was extremely pleased with that. Uh, So with our rankings out of the way, we're going to move on to the Secret Origins, which is where we would discuss each episode, uh, and we can figure out why we're giving these the rankings that we're we're giving them. Rob, I'm assuming you're probably going to sit out a little bit on this Actually, you know know what? No, I I, I will say this. I have been keeping up with what's happening on Supergirl. I haven't watched the episodes. So I'm absolutely fine. Um, If you guys want to dive right into it, uh, get into it, kind of tell me why I need to get off my ass and play catch-up. So... (laughs) So I'm going to leave it over to the two of you guys, and then once we get to Flash, I will definitely dive back in in full force. Yeah, well, well uh, I'll, I'll, oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll start with this. You know everything you wanted in the Man of Steel movie? You know, the, the feel of Superman? You know that feeling you wanted from Man of Steel? Well, if you go over to Supergirl, you'll find most of it. Um, uh, it's just a, it's a great show. Yeah, I think one of the things that has to be known from this point on, with you bringing Man of Steel up with myself, Rob knows this already, TJ, I'm not sure if you know this, and I'm sure if we're discussing DC, it's going to come up quite a bit. Uh, yeah. I hated Man of Steel. <laughs> uh, it's it's it, I hated that movie. I hate that movie with a passion. I, I've watched it two or three times because I thought maybe I can give it a chance and, you know, maybe there was something lost in the first viewing. No, I, I still hate it as much the second and third time as I did the first time. Uh, but you're right. Everything that I would want in a Supergirl in a Superman property is what we're getting out of Supergirl. Uh, I know uh, just to give a little bit of a synopsis of this week's episode, we were introduced to uh, at least in this universe, we were introduced to uh, the Toy Man and the Toy Man's son. Um I'm correct about that, right? I'm not getting my episodes yes. confused. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah. So, we were introduced to the Toy Man and who the Toy Man's son actually is in this show. Um, so, we're... Uh, which was a very interesting twist where you find out that the Toy Man's son is actually... Um, Toy Man being Winslow shot uh, was actually Win from... Uh, I think that's his name, right? Yeah. See, these are things we should know before we come into doing these <laughs> podcasts. Uh, but yeah, Winshot, who is friends with Kara, who works with Kara as well, and is actually in love with Kara. So well, I thought... he, he wants to be involved with Kara. Yeah, well, like I said, he's in love with he's in love with Kara. So I mean, from, uh, I would say from the pilot alone, he seemed very much that way. Yeah, yeah. Oh um, no, it's it's no. There's no question about it in this episode. It's revealed. He flat out admits it to Kara that he is in love with her. So there's no there's Which, no question that he is I in love with Kara. I kind of give him credit. They didn't drag it out any well. They dragged it out for you know eight eight or nine episodes, but you know it was still hey look. But you we're know what? I kind of I kind of give that to Andrew Kreisberg because every time I feel like they could drag something out on the Flash, they always seem to kind of close that gap right as you're thinking that. Um, so that's that's probably a good positive. I think that's a little bit of crazy um, kind of carrying into Supergirl. One of the nice parts, at least, Ben, I know you don't read comics, but one of the nice parts for me uh, was all the little nods to past iterations of Toy Man. Um, for example, uh, when you, the doll that Wynn holds up and says, this was on my desk. That's what the Toy Man looked like when he was first introduced. Uh, so, yeah, that was something I didn't know. So. Yeah, and 
it was just it was one of those things that's like, oh, hey, that's kind of cute. Well, this DC Universe, um, I mean, we've got Greg Berlanti and um, Kevin, as you had mentioned, you know, all these people that are behind all four of these shows that we're discussing on this podcast. They're fantastic at these little nods. Yeah, I mean, they really care about the source material. That's one thing that's really shown through uh, both between CBS and CW. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's they're great at these nods, and I'm sure there are tons of nods that I haven't picked up on because, as you said, I'm not as much of a comic reader as, as you guys are, especially the DC. If I read any comics, they were usually Marvel um, or Titan now with the Doctor Who comics. But um, So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, the little nods are great. I like what they're doing with the whole love aspect of it is I mean the show is obviously a little lighthearted when it comes to the background of it but they're not when it came to when you know announcing that he's in love with Kara or admitting to Kara that he's in love with her it's not like an automatic okay she's in love with him too like now there's going to be strife because she doesn't feel the same way so it's going to add another element to the story outside of the hero aspect of it which I'm fine with as long as it doesn't get like too like Dawson's Creaky kind of stuff well, it's, you know, it's the CW slash CBS, so, you know, everything's Dawson Creek. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, like, you have, to, you have to take into account a little bit of that kind of, like, classic, like, primetime viewership where you have to relate to all audiences, not just uh, the comic book uh, hardcore. And I'm, I mean. uh, I'm not sure if this would be in the news or not, but next episode, Cat uh, Grant's son will be coming into Supergirl and they're going to he's going to start a relationship with Kara. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, I didn't know um that as well. I try not to I see I watch everything online so I don't get the promos for the next episode. Um and I kind of like that. I kind of like going into the next episode without knowing without that little preview because yeah. it's a complete mystery to me what's going to happen in the next episode. Um I know something else that happened this week as well in Supergirl that we we could probably discuss for a minute is the fact that Maxwell Lord now knows that Kara and uh, Agent Danvers are related, that they're sisters. Yeah, um, which is a short hop, skip, and a jump to figuring out where Kara lives, works, and everything else. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, just the fact that like now we have uh, you know um, John Jones in the show, uh, which is Martian Manhunter, who's uh, Hank Henshaw, um, and the fact that Maxwell Lord are big characters. I know they're gearing up for Bizarro soon in the show, um, so I'm really kind of curious uh, now, and I really want to kind of jump in. And it's I know it's not Bizarro, Bizarro, but um, but yeah, still, I, I'm. This is more reasons why I want to play catch up. And let me tell you, the Martian Manhunter is done really well. Like, they haven't used the, the graphics for him a lot, but when they do, it's it's not like, it's not cheesy. It looks decent. And I'm excited about the fact that we're, uh, that they didn't reveal him as John Jones, which I know, TJ, you and I are both on the same page. We both saw that coming, and yeah. it was extremely exciting when it actually was revealed that that's what we were thinking, and it actually came to fruition. Um, but what I like about the fact is they didn't reveal him as John Jones and then never show him again. We've, we're getting to see him in doses, which I really enjoy. Yeah, and I also like that they're pretty much using his his full power set 
which is impressive. Yeah. Uh, I have to ask this really quick, Tej, because uh, you, you would know this. Uh, at any point in time, have we seen um, the Hank Henshaw character, which is Manhunter, have you seen him eat uh, Chacos yet on screen? No, I keep hoping that they'll just show him picking up an Oreo and eating it yeah, without yeah. actually indulging for, it. But for the, for those of you not, not in yet. the know, in the comic book universe, uh, Martian Manhunter has a sick addiction to Oreos, and they're pretty much kind of described in the books as the equivalent of heroin to uh, the Green Martians. So uh, he's got a, a horrendous, horrendous addiction. So it's kind of a, amusing. So I'm kind of looking forward to see if they throw that in there. And with Jeff Johns so heavily involved, I'm, I'm I'm thinking they probably will before the end of season. Yeah, one. knowing the producers of this show, it's it's going to be something we're going to see. I have no doubt about that. <laughs> so. Well, it could also be that they have that they haven't done that because he hasn't introduced to these yet. I That's think it would true. be really funny if Supergirl brought in like a bag of Oreos and was like, "Here, you want one?" Oh, that would see that would be fun. And we have that a would... whole episode of him fiending over them. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we know that with product placement, it probably wouldn't be Oreos, but you know, something similar. As long as it's not Hydrox, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. well, uh, what was it, the line from Parks and Rec? Uh, it's like they have not even Hydrox cookies, Hydrax. Yeah. Did you know there's an off-brand of Hydrox? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, good old Ron Swanson, man. So, uh, so I guess moving into the Flash. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, let's discuss okay. The Flash a little bit. As we had mentioned, episode 10, which is the mid-season premiere of right. this episode. Uh, Rob, you're back into this conversation in force because this was – we all gave this one pretty much a legendary rating. So um, I know we, we saw a little bit more of Wally West, which is yeah. uh, Joe's son in, in this world. Uh, I'm wondering where – because Wally West, if for people that are unfamiliar with the comic books, is also another speedster – so I'm wondering if we're going to see another version of Wally West down the road. Well, I think I think what's going to happen is we are going to see the new 52 version of Wally West, which uh, for people in the past and old continuity for comic books, um, you know, it was uh, he was a ginger. So, um, you know, in the new 52, uh, they did reboot it to being an African-American, which actually works really well along the lines of the CW show with uh, Iris and uh, Joe. Um Kind of, they switched that up for the TV show, and actually, I think it's been actually really wonderful because it's such a nice, diverse cast, and they're all amazing actors on top of that. And I think it's kind of the same things you're seeing in Supergirl with uh, Jimmy. Um, they didn't look to, they weren't afraid of breaking the mold. They found the best actors for the role, and I think they've all done an amazing job. And I think what we saw so far of Wally is he's got a lot of potential. And if you think um, about it, him being a street racer kind of made him a speedster. It did, and I really love that nod. I thought that was a really kind of nice touch where they were kind of like, he's got that addiction to speed. Uh, so it was a really kind of wonderful tease for going down the road knowing that he's uh, he's going to tap the speed force at some time. Yeah. yeah I, I like the taillights um, uh, nod they gave when he was in the police station. Uh, right. Where one of the crooks just looked at him and said, hey, taillights. Mm-hmm. Um I, I thought that was a good indication of how fast he tends to go. Right. And uh, I think that was cool. I think it was a really nice touch. Um, he's somebody I'm really excited to see a lot more of uh, as things kind of progress. Um, now, as far as what did you guys think of the villain for this week in the episode? I thought he was actually more well-developed than most of the other villains that they've had. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it was kind of cool uh for the you know, yeah, I mean, it just just to make it clear too, we're talking about Turtle, Turtle, uh, and that was played by uh, I forget the actor's name, but he was a uh, Battlestar Galactica, Aaron um, Douglas, Aaron Douglas, yeah. yes, 
Um, he was a old Battlestar Galactica alum from the sci-fi reboot. And uh, he actually, he kind of reminded me and had a feeling of uh, back from Arrow Season 2, uh, The Dollmaker. Um, he had that very perfect creepy vibe when I really liked seeing that, especially when you saw the museum of him kind of saying, you know, he was going to put Patty and lock her up. Uh, same yeah. way he did with his wife. It was like I said. It, that was like I said. The Dollmaker was my favorite. I think villain of the week episode of all of these shows leading up to now. And this one was kind of was that perfect, like just nice little nod. I like that a lot. Um, and we got to see a lot more of Barry and Patty together uh, this week for the last and, time. Uh, well, I don't know I, about that. I don't think it's going to be the last time. I think I don't either. Um, I think there's going to be something that's either going to prevent her from leaving, or sh- she's going to end up coming back a couple episodes down the road. Um, I, I, I hope she goes away for a couple of episodes because we were starting to stretch my uh, my believability on. Oh, Patty doesn't know Barry's uh, the Flash. How is that even possible? Well, see, my initial reaction to to the show was. Uh, or to this particular episode, there's a particular scene in this episode where Patty is uh, staring at an envelope, and it's from a forensics lab. And my initial thought was, she has something on Barry, and that's what was in that envelope. I had no idea it was a, a letter to a school that she was going to be leaving to go to. Right, that's kind of where my brain was going to. So, um, so I mean, my uh, whole impression was that she might already know, and she's just waiting for Barry to tell her. Right, it was a lot of that trust kind of, kind of conversation stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, the fact that Barry hasn't hit, hit that point, it looks like he, you know, the entire episode, it was it was fun watching him struggle with that point because I think one thing Grant Gustin does so well is just, he feels so believable, he's so likable, and even with those hard life decisions, like, it, it worked well. Um, it never felt painful, I think. Well, not, that's, that's important. Not only that, but I like a television show, especially one like The Flash, and Flash has a ton of different great examples of it, of a show that can put the humanity in superheroes. Right. You know, yeah. these, they're not flawless characters. They, they, well, they have they, their troubles. They even do that with the villains. I mean, we saw that this season when uh, Captain Cold came back. Yeah. Um, and we saw, uh, you know, like him and his sister, uh, Golden Glider, and the whole issue, uh, like, ep- like, not issue, episode, with uh, uh, Michael Ironsides playing his father. Uh, that was, they've done amazing jobs to humanize the characters in this series, uh, and every one of them. I my mean, own, you know, my only issue with it, with The Flash, is a lot of the times the villain of the week, so to speak, gets the short shift. Well, I think a lot of season one villain of the week stuff that they did in the show, they kind of used those characters to start showcasing Barry's power set, and that's what it felt like more in season one. Season two, they seem like they're taking a bit more of a break from that. Um, yeah. And they're, instead of focusing on his power set, they're focusing on him and his humanity. Like, we're starting to see more sides of his humanity in this season, and, like, his I, weaknesses personally versus his powers that we got in the first season from those. Yeah, I, I do hope they start... Like, I, I really like this episode. But the end, he beat the turtle by running really fast. And I really... Like, one of the things I love about The Flash is he is a scientist. And I'd like to see him start beating his villains with the techniques that don't require running really fast. It's true. But, you know what, like I said, again, for when you're you're working with, like, what, 48 minutes... You know, yeah, I know, but I mean, it's like, oh, we could have taken out the turtle by, I don't know, sneaking up on it, or uh, I, 
off the top of my head, maybe grab, um, maybe put him in a situation where if he un unslows the area around him, he's going to get hurt. Right. And so I mean, he's just essentially trapped where he is. Right. I mean, there's a ton of ton of different ideas you can do. But um, you, I think you have to remember, though, that these producers are trying to cater to not only to the comic book audience, they're trying to cater to the television audience who may not read right. the yeah. comics. So, I mean, they're going to give the fans like this is what Barry and the Flash is known for. He's known for being fast. So we have to yeah. kind of incorporate that into the way that he's he's solving these problems. And I think yeah. one of the biggest other things you see, too, is um, uh, there was an amazing interview that I've shared with Ben uh, from Fat Man on Batman, Kevin Smith's podcast, which you talked to. Which uh, I listened to that whole thing. Oh, it's that, amazing. That night, I finished both episodes, and it is fantastic. Um, what was it? It's, uh, it, was, uh, it was him doing a one-on-one interview with Andrew Kreisberg, uh, who is the lead head of uh, The Flash and uh, Supergirl. Um, but it was a lot of the discussion of, like, when King Shark showed up this season, um, the, like, the general cost of the budget to do effects. And when they have oh. something already done, um, it's not a problem for them to say, okay, well, Barry's got to run quick. We have that animation done. So if they're going to do something crazy and wild, they have to be very careful and cautious on the cost associated with it. If it's anything out of the ordinary whether even this prop budget and anything like that. So I kind of understand things a little bit more on the things that they're struggling with. Like, yeah, um, that, that's a good point. I mean, they did blow an entire budget on, uh, what was it, Killer Shark and Gorilla Grodd? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, they said that that Gorilla City uh, shot at the end of the episode was never supposed to be there. It was a whole bunch of people that stayed late and says, this is never going to do. And people did it off the clock just to make sure it happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was cool. I mean, like, they generally really care. But so, so for something small about just taking it down kind of a one-note villain that's probably only going to have one or two appearances in the show, it's okay. I think it's fine. Um, I mean, ultimately, too. Actually, no, one appearance in the show because, again, let's get to the ending point of the episode. Oh, we get yeah. to see a little bit more of Harrison Wells, or two Harrison Wells, Harry, well, um, make make his continued move on what he's yeah. going to start doing. And we can still quite tell if he's going to do this to go up against Zoom, or if he's doing this to keep his promise to Zoom to get his daughter Jesse Quick back. Um, so for me, I'm looking at it going, um, I think he's going to try, try to stop Zoom. Having I, I Harris, do too. I I, yeah, I having generally Harris do too. be a villain twice in, twice in two seasons doesn't seem like a great idea. Right. Um, and I think that's where they're going to go, too. I think they just shot it in just the way where it, it left the people that are just not connecting to it guessing. Um, but on top of that, an even bigger twist after he kills Turtle uh, takes, obviously, something associated with his powers. Um, we get a look at Eobard Thawne again, coming back to the current timeline, um, kind of helping start getting ready to close that gap of when he actually meets Barry. So this could be very interesting very quickly. Now, are, are we looking at a at a Eobard Thawne from the from the current timeline, or you know, from the current universe coming back to this timeline? Or are we looking yes. at an Earth two? Earth- we, they have confirmed it is Eobard Thawne of the current timeline, not Earth two. Um, you have to remember. This, you have to remember. Oh, go ahead, teach. Uh, I was going to say this is actually the first time he'll be meeting the Flash. Exactly. So he's getting his first meeting with him. But my um, question about that is, though, how is this possible with Eddie gone? Um, you have to think about that. Well, that does change that moment in time. If he was completely erased from existence, Barry's mother would be alive, too. 
So okay, it's that that's whole a good point. time time travel paradoxy kind of stuff. We don't know what that still means down the road and what that did to the timeline. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of questions that are involved. Um, and again, this is the first glimpse of them and I'm hoping that they address it in some way, shape or form and hopefully not in a doctor who wibbly wobbly timey wimey kind of way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Um, so I, I, I'm really excited to see what they do with that. Um, but I'm also now though, too, I'm starting to get some other theories in this show based on what's currently happening. We do know that the heroes are getting ready to head to Earth 2 for a couple episodes. Um, That's going to be cool. It's going to be really cool, but I'm starting to... I don't know if anybody else has caught on to this yet so far this season. Is We have Dr. Light of that world, which is our universe's Linda Park, uh, is a kind of in a villainary kind of role to an extent when she comes over here. Um, you know, we have Adam Smasher in the comic books. He's actually been a hero as well. Uh, we do know uh, Caitlin uh, from our Earth in Earth 2. She's Killer Frost. Ronnie Raymond in Earth 2. They're married. He is Deathstorm, which is a kind of evil version of Firestorm. So right now we've seen every hero that is actually what should be a hero. In Earth 2, they're all villains. What is Jay Garrick? Is Jay Garrick also a villain in the behind the scenes of it all? Because he would be the only one that actually would be a hero. Um, well, so I'm kind of curious now um, if they're well, we gonna actually throw kind of throw that over us. We actually did see that there was a Green Arrow, but it was um, it was Oliver's father. Yeah, it was uh, Oliver's father. Yeah, yeah, uh, which was kind of a nod to uh, Earth Two Universe with Thomas Wayne being Batman. Well, wait a minute, I yeah. thought Jay Garrick. Why were are we f- trying to figure out whether Jay Garrick is going to be a villain a villain in Earth Two? I thought Jay Garrick was from Earth Two. He is from Earth 2, but I'm wondering if um, what they're kind of doing is playing with the dichotomy of Earth 3 in the comic books is all the heroes are actually villains. And I'm wondering if they're kind of making Earth 2 what Earth 3 is in the comic books. Because no. everybody that we've seen that's been a hero in this universe has been a villain over there. So we're saying the possibility no. could stand that Jay Garrick is actually a villain, not a hero. I- I'm wondering. I- I'm wondering that could be a possibility. I mean, okay. I think it would be kind of a cool twist, but uh, no idea. Okay. No, I think I, I think we're just getting um, different takes on the characters because like in I comics, do too. Uh, Kate, Caitlin is Killer Frost, right? Um, so you have she's obviously not going to become Killer Frost in this universe, but as a nod to that universe, uh, as a nod to that, you make her that in Earth too. Right. Um, I mean. Again, this is, again, kind of my wishful thinking, because I think it would be a really cool twist to see, hey, actually, Jay Garrick on Earth 1 is actually a speedster, but the Jay Garrick from Earth 2 is evil, kind of. It would be neat to see if they play along with that a little bit. Um, But again, I I don't think that could really be the situation, but wishful thinking on my part. I don't know if I would like to see the whole Earth 3 take on Earth 2, just because of the fact that if if that's revealed, then from this point on for the future of the show, you pretty much know that the next time you see somebody you've already seen, they're the opposite of what you've seen them as. And I like the mystery of trying to figure out whether or not they're good or they're bad. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that pretty much covers the Flash pretty well for us, though. If we, I don't know, but do you guys have any other points you want to touch on real quick? No, I was just... just... I was really excited to see Reverse Flash. That's yeah, yes. same here. And um, I will say this too: uh, big props again to Jesse L. Martin. Um, I think he is um, kind of the keystone of that show. Um, I'm still waiting for the musical episode. I know I am too, <laughs> um, but well, I, 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 I adore every time. Sing. 
Oh yeah, Grant's Grant's from Glee, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, like I said, in general, I think Jesse L has uh, been, I think, my favorite part of that show from start to finish. Um, and I, anytime that they gave him a chance to have an emotional moment, and we got to see that with uh, him and Wally at the end of the episode when they were trying to bond, um, it was really cool. Uh, every time they get a chance to slow down and have one of those moments, I love it. Uh, yeah, and I really good. Great actor. Yeah, I really also hope, too, that we don't see too much of a distance with uh, Patty away from the show, because I think she has been an amazing addition to the ensemble. Um, and I think she, her and uh, Grant's relationship and their chemistry on screen is amazing, and I would really hate to see that go away. And I have to say... I really, uh, go ahead, TJ. Uh, I really think that that's a better relationship <coughs> than um, Iris and Barry. Oh, I think I agree as well. So, But yeah, I, do and, have, and... I do have to say that I love um, the quips that Cisco makes throughout the show. <laughs> Oh yeah, when he made the uh, the turtle mark about the uh, the thirty something, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was the twist on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, uh, he said like thirty something, and, and you know Danielle Panabaker's character Caitlin was like, "Did you like? Were you, have you been thinking about that?" He's like, "No, I just thought of it." The kids, he's uh, I, I love Carlos in that show and and his character Cisco. Oh yeah, yeah, they're, they're absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on because uh, we still have two more shows to discuss, and I have a feeling that we're going to spend a lot of time on one of the two of these. Um, but moving on to Arrow, also episode 10 and also the mid-season premiere. We were kind of mixed on this one, uh, yeah. on our reviews for this. Uh, I know – maybe all, not. I think we all gave it Hero. We, we all gave it Hero. We all we gave, gave it Hero, it hero I think, but I, I the, think we all had issues with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Teach, why, why don't you start us off on this one? Because you're now just current on air. You've recently just binge-watched, so this whole series is more fresh in your brain than it's going to be for me and Ben. Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? I said, uh, why, why don't you go through and give us your thoughts on everything, because since you just binge-watched the whole shit, like, series yeah. recently, all of the kind of nuances of the characters are all going to be very fresh in your head, so I, I think your take's going to probably be probably the strongest out of all of us. Well, okay, so I'll be honest, when Arrow started... I was not a fan. Um, I had a problem with kill the henchman, kill the henchman. I get to the big boss and you have failed this city. I won't kill you yet. Just your lackeys back there. What? Um, and the Huntress episodes really turned me off and I wound up dropping out of Arrow in the first season. Recently watched it. I got all the way up to the, to this. I think the villain this season is great. I love, I love Dark. Oh yeah, Damian Dark is fantastic. Oh, oh yeah, I, I mean, know. That I mean, that actor, that, that actor crushes it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely crushes it. But I think that this episode, I every time he suffers a personal setback, it's I'm gonna kill somebody again, and it's like, can we move past this? Yeah, that's actually kind of been my biggest problem um, last season. Um, I know me and Ben, like we've talked on my podcast plenty of times about kind of being in between it um, a little bit as far as our thoughts. I think they had a lot of great ideas they did last season, but it was constantly seeing Ollie back and forth. Like he's been doing that supernatural thing where like in this show, Supernatural, every season is, you know, Sam and Dean get in a fight and don't talk for a while. And then they get back together just like every season. They're right. feeling like they're doing the same thing to Ollie now, where it's kind of like, you know, I have to get beyond this. I got to move past this. And that was the big thing for season four 
was we were going to start seeing the brighter side of Ollie. And we're talking ten episodes in, and he was like brooding Ollie that we've had from season one uh, to the end of season three. Yeah. Um, we got that right back again, and there's been a lot of him dipping his toes back into that constantly, and I really like seeing Steven um, playing the character a little bit differently. I think that's been incredibly enjoyable in season four to see a little bit more levity out of that show, because a lot of the levity characters have not been levity characters. Felicity yeah. was that for seasons one and two. Season three, she was not. Season four, we've got a lot more of that back to her. Diggle is not that anymore either. Like, he had some nice levity. Paul Blackthorne had that. We're in a very grim series constantly. Um, and then we had, uh, you know, Brandon Routh as Ray Palmer being the kind of lifting moment of last season. And uh, I'm really afraid about the rest of the season. If it stays in that dark road and we don't have anything to lift this up, I feel like we're going to fall back into that season three really gritty yeah. place constantly. I, and I think it needs, you need a second to breathe. And especially with what Felicity said at the end. You know you need to kill him, right? I'm like, oh, come on. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I kind of disagree to a point. I mean, whereas the past season, like season three, went very, very dark and, you know, and with like less levity, as you had said, this season was season four. They're kind of going through some dark moments now. And but whereas with season three, that with this current season was season four, they're showing us that. You know, the producers are giving us a good idea of showing us, are doing a good job of showing us that, look, these dark days are coming, so be prepared for them this time. You know, uh, yeah, I do agree with that. I do appreciate that. You know, um, I just, I just wish they would uh, tread some new territory. I, I mean, think that's the biggest problem. Yeah, I mean, we have somebody in a grave. We don't know who it is. Uh, obviously, oh, I, I got a theory on that one. I we well I actually want to talk about that before we leave Arrow, uh, but we'll save that towards the end of the the, the discussion. But because okay. um, I mean I had predictions, I have a prediction too, and I'm not sure uh, whether or not it's going to be true or not. A, lo- a big prediction was that it was going to be Felicity, and I kind of thought that was a little too obvious. Um, but I mean I I don't mind the dark path that they're going down now because they've set it up. I mean, hell, you have a villain whose last name is Dark. It's going to be... There's going to be some dark moments. The fact that they kind of told us in the beginning there's going to be some dark moments, I'm okay with them in this season. They don't bother me as much. They, they, yeah, they don't bother me in this one either. Um, I, I think what uh, you know what mirrors TJ's thoughts a little bit, but it's... um. This episode in particular, I think why I had so many issues, same with my wife, um, with season three is season two shines so much because it was focusing on Green uh, Green Arrow stories and they were doing a nice job. And then season three felt like they got lost and didn't know what to do and said, let's look at the Batman mythos and what can we steal from Batman? And this episode did that again a little bit too much. Uh, we saw Anarchy, which is another big um, Gotham villain. Um we saw, um, and then the discussion of Felicity not being able to walk, her being a hacker. There's been pictures floating around the internet about shots of her in a wheelchair. Um, it scares me a little bit that they're going to try to push her into that Oracle role. Um, and that's kind of a character that's people have very near and dear to their heart with Barbara Gordon. But again, um, I mean, going back to what I had said about, um, you know, about the Flash and producers – the, the producers know that people don't read the comics. I mean, there are people that are watching the show that don't read the comics. However, with, you know, with the Batman mythos being more popular than the Green Arrow mythos and with the reveal, with, you know, the success of the, the Batman, the Batman Dark Knight games in which Oracle is a part of, they're using characters that people know. 
uh, whether or not they're part of the Arrow mythos or not, the Batman shows aren't using them. So, I mean, why wouldn't you use them to kind of bring people into this uh, as in, you know, because people know them. People know the Oracle character from the video games that are highly successful. So if you bring Oracle into the show, it might bring a bigger audience because people are going to recognize these characters. It does, but at the same time, though, too, when it's characters that have such a high popularity, I mean, they've they've been so meticulous to do small nods to major things in DC's history. Yeah. Um, and for them to take a character that's had such a huge following for so many years um, and throw that on a character they created for this TV show and to do it in that way, I think is a little bit of a disservice to um, Emily Bett Richards and to the Oracle character as well. Um, yeah. Listy was a very special breakout character and it feels like they're not quite sure what to do with her. Um, and I would really like to see them focus on her writing because she proved in season one and two that she can be a breakout character and it feels like they're getting lazy um, and I would like to see them not keep kind of going to the well and pulling something out of their ass and say, well, let's just manipulate this to do this for this character. Um, you know, I, I'm fine with them to say, here's her own unique story. Um, that's been a problem of mine in the comics for a long time. It's don't constantly go back, you know, be progressive. It's okay to be progressive, you know? Yeah, yeah. but my thing, my thing is DC... The, the DC Entertainment, the whole conglomerate, has been making a push to make sure that Barbara Gordon is Batgirl now and not Oracle. They're not doing anything with the Oracle persona. So if they gave that to Felicity because she's earned it over the last four seasons, I'd be fine with that. Like, they I didn't, mean, they didn't yeah. come out and go, you know, okay, she's Oracle right off the bat. It's been four seasons of her hacking and she's even said this season, you know what? I should have a code name. Yeah, and yeah. now she's got one. Or, well, she, there's the possibility that she's going to get one. I mean, yeah. as of right now, we know the similarities to her and Oracle are, you know, uncanny. But it, it hasn't been revealed yet that that's exactly what she's going to be. We're just making this yeah. prediction. Oh, yeah. It's, again, it's, it's, again, based on rumor and prediction. Like I said, for me, it was a little too much between that and, again, another another Batman villain, another Batman rogue joining in the fray. Um, that was, so that was kind of, a t- him anarchy yet? uh, well, his symbol is everywhere. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, there's only one character in the DC universe that puts that every place he goes. Yes. So, and he's a 10 year old child in the comics. So you know what? This is oh, a yeah. step in the right direction. It was, I will say this, I will say the version of anarchy that we got to see on screen was better than any of the other versions of anarchy. Cause he's not exactly a fan favorite of mine. Um, I think they did at least a better job. I really like the fact that. They're using him more as Thea's villain. Uh, yeah. I thought that was actually nice because I'm happy to see that they're now putting a little bit more focus on her. Um, I feel like they're getting lost, though, again in the winds. They don't know what to do with Laurel, which is a shame. We saw more of her in Legends of Tomorrow <laughs> than, than that had she had more of a poignant moment there than she even did in her own show. Yeah, but when you have a full cast as like you do in Arrow, you're, again, you're working with 48 minutes. You're not going to have time to focus on everybody. Oh, that's true. There's, there's going to be moments th- that highlight and feature other people, you know, more so than than the others. So I was okay with the fact that we didn't see Laurel as much this episode. I'd be okay if we never saw Laurel again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really I me me and uh, me and Cat love love her character. Um, it just seems like they've just gotten stuck. They don't know what to do with her since they've had her since honestly she hasn't had a strong moment since she had the Wildcat stuff and we're doing stuff with uh, Paul Blackthorne on screen. Um, you know, uh, 
Uh, so I would like to see them put a little bit more focus there sometimes when they can. I know there's a lot happening. Uh, we did get a little bit of stuff with Damien this week, um, which I was. I think that's what was probably the biggest disappointment is he's been such a great villain. I want to see him in every episode, and I know they can't. Um, well, I, I, go ahead. I, I kind of agreed with the wife at the end. You should have killed him. Yes, yes, you should have. The whole, um, you saved my family, so I will give you a few more weeks to spend with yours. Maybe six more six more weeks? Seven more weeks? Is that how many episodes we have left? <laughs> Pretty uh, much. Well, no, we still have like a good like 12, 13 episodes left. Oh, yeah, well, remember, oh, okay. we, have, we have four months. Four months from based on what they told us. So we have until the end of the season in actuality. Well, no, <laughs> and, and not... They Stephen Amell has revealed that the person in that grave will be revealed before the finale. I mean, it's because there has to be a conclusion to what happens because whoever the villain is, or whatever Damien Dark has done to that person, whoever it is in the grave, they have not stopped Damien Dark yeah, yet the, um, at that point. The so other thing I was thinking was that Damien Dark might not actually be the big bad of the season. I mean, they've done it in video games where you see, here's the guy you're fighting, here's the guy you're fighting, here's the you're fighting. Oh, wait, no, it was really this guy over here the whole time. Well, it's the question of, like I said, we're, we got to dig a little bit more into Hive. Um, I don't feel like they've actually gotten into Hive too much. It's just, here's Damien and the ghosts, you know? Yeah. Um, so well, I, I'm, I'm hoping we start, they put a little bit more focus on this giant evil organization. Uh, we, we're only seeing a member of it. Uh, well, something I'd like to see too in Arrow, and especially with Damian Dark, because Damian Dark has been a fantastic villain for this for this season. I wouldn't. I'd be okay if he continued into the next season. I like, would too. Like we don't have Same to here. wrap up the Damian Dark storyline at the end of season four. It well, like can I said, continue he, into season five. He's been a strong breakout character. We haven't had a villain in Arrow like him since Deathstroke. And prior to that was the original Vertigo. I actually think he was kind of fun to And watch. I don't even know if Deathstroke beats... The, like, I think this actor is owning this role more than uh, the actor with Deathstroke ever did. Well, I mean, like, even, um, even like you know, I said, me and my wife watch all these shows, and one of the big things that we kind of pointed out, it's kind of like, you know, The Flash is still the best show, but wow, Arrow's got the better villain this season. Um, like, Zoom is this kind of this, this omnipotent evil kind of like twitching fingers, kind of like evil snare, where Damien, like, you actually fear the dude. Well, I, um, think, I think that has more to do with the fact that we know more about Damien Dark than we do Zoom. I mean, Zoom right, is yeah. a no, big mystery to, to everybody, including the audience. So yeah. we don't get behind um, favoring Zoom as a better villain right now. If we knew more about Zoom, who he was and such, we might think Zoom was a better villain. But because we know more about Damien Dark... We get behind him more as a villain. And I think going back, TJ, to what you had said, um, I think there's a strong possibility if there is somebody else behind what he's doing, behind pulling the strings, it could be his wife. Because yeah, that's we had true. Because we had never really known up until this episode that she was in cahoots with what he was doing. Like, up until this point, we thought they were just kind of like innocent bystanders in this whole thing. And and if not, it's a campaign manager because campaign managers are evil blood-sucking people. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Before we, I know we got to move on to DC's Legends um, tomorrow. but real, real quick, actually, there's one other thing we didn't talk about, Arrow, before the part that you're about to talk about. Okay. We didn't even address the flashbacks. Is this a, becoming a problem in this show? Um, 
I think they could. I don't think they're becoming a problem. I think we can probably phase them out at this point. Um, I don't know what this flash, this particular flashback is is doing for this season. I mean, we know it has something to do with something spiritual or, or uh, like. Uh, oh well, I can tell you exactly what it is. It is the holy tattoo on Ollie that will save the day in the end of the season. Yeah, and I think that's a little too predictable, and that's one of the reasons. Is that why even th- still there? Yep, it should. They showed it glowing in this episode yeah. when he was getting whipped. No, that no, I'm sorry. They... I meant in the fu- in the current time, not in the flashbacks. Is the tattoo still there? I guarantee it probably still is. If not, they're going to start making sure that there's a focus on it in some point in time. Um, it just seems like there's no correlation with the flashback in this season. Kind of like the same way last season, the flashback with uh, Katana had very little to do except the idea of bringing Ollie back. Um, and uh, the correlation with uh, one of the soldiers from uh, the League of Shadows, um, or League of Assassins. But, um, yeah, like I said, I think you're right, Ben. I think they really need to stop focusing so much on the past. It's starting to feel like more like, hey, it's commercial break. Go do what you're going to do because the flashback moment's on. Yeah, exactly. Well, th- I mean, after this season, there are, season five is the last year on the island. And right. the and. and uh, I remember reading an interview with Stephen Amell saying that the last shot of the last flashback will be the first shot of the first ep- episode. Yeah, yeah, of of the moment that he was rescued from the island. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, right, I was, so I was actually to... well. Before we get to Legends of Tomorrow, real quick um, predictions: Who's in the grave? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Okay. Um, I've got three guesses at this point. Okay. Um, I think it's going to be. Um, Felicity's mother, which is probably the most likely. That's one of uh-huh. them. That, um, that's my only guess. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's going to be that. If they're going to pull a punch, uh, they're going to put Quentin in the grave, uh, Paul Blackthorne. That, that's I, another one of mine. Um, and the last thing, the one, but I also still don't think it, I think they're going to maybe consider killing off David Ramsey's character, and uh, we're not going to see Diggle around. Uh, that would suck. Um. <laughs> but again, you know what you could always do though in that is uh if they wanted to put Diggle in Legends of Tomorrow, they can just go back in time and pull him on. That's true. That that caveat is nailed there. Um Uh but speaking of Legends of Tomorrow, let's talk a little bit about that because this was the first episode of this show. Uh there's been a huge promotion for this show and really i all... hadn't seen anything i know nothing I've... on tv it's been surprising yeah it's like they were just ignoring it <laughs> i just threw it out there expecting we would watch it uh but yeah we have a ton of people uh huge cast a mix from flash and arrow which i'm absolutely loving we all gave this one a well no i think you gave this one a hero tj yeah i i ha... and i'm going to start with the elephant in the room i had a problem with uh, Professor Stein roofing, uh, what's the character's name? Uh, Jefferson Jackson. Yeah, Jefferson Jackson. I had a huge, huge problem with that. That was probably my only gripe about the episode, but I will say that was a, that bothered me quite a bit. Um, like, what we saw of Victor Garber uh, as Martin Stein this episode, I think, was a little different than we've been used to in the flash and it wasn't too close to the end of the episode we saw that classic dr stein that we've already seen well let's and be even... fair it wasn't roofy it was just some kind of poison yeah <laughs> <laughs> it makes it all better it's exactly okay. it makes it a little easier to handle 
But even even Jackson mentioned that he got roofied to Gideon, you know, on the ship. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it was, um, I, I think it was, yeah, it was just more than a little bit out of character. And I hope they, uh, I mean, they addressed it at the end of the episode with their quick conversation. But it's still, uh, that was that was a hard pill to swallow, I think. I had a little and bit of a problem with that. The rest of the, the rest of the group were like, oh, yeah, he roofied him to get him here. That's so funny. What the hell? <laughs> Um, I, I will have to say uh, a particular moment in this show. I love it when these shows can surprise me or catch me off guard to something I did not see coming uh-huh. and or, or at least something I didn't see coming episodes before. If it's something I kind of saw coming at the beginning of the episode and then it happens at the end, that's fine. Uh, but something that I didn't see coming episodes before. There's a particular moment in this episode that I had that and that was the reason I fell in love with this episode, and I'm already in love with this show. Um, go ahead. I think I, think I know that? exactly. I if, think I already know. If you want to try and guess, you could guess. I think it's the moment you find out that all of them have no future whatsoever. No, it's not. It's actually the moment that you find out that Doctor Aldous Boardman is the son of Hawkman and Hawkgirl. Oh yeah, a, pre- that was a previous fantastic. a previous incarnation, that the previous cool. incarnation of Hawkman and Hawkgirl. I thought that, that was kind of brilliant. That was a nice touch. That was yeah. a very nice touch. Um, but yeah, I, I, honestly, my my moment was definitely when it was kind of like ripped this piano. Like, you no, know, you guys have no, you do nothing for the future timeline. Like, it, you guys are basically all expendable. It's kind of like them having, you know, a hero, it's more hero related version of the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um, See, I, I and it makes all those characters feel expendable um to an extent and it makes you really question what the future of some of these characters could be on the show a little bit um i don't think any of them are going anywhere mind you but well they're all signed on for the first 16 episodes so right but um nothing's happening this season but i like it it, it, you got to see a humanistic moment uh in a very fast-paced um pilot um you got to see some really nice humanistic moments from each of the characters to an extent um, and some great scene chewery from uh, Dominic, uh, Dominic Purcell and Wentworth Miller because oh, oh my yeah. god, I love I love those two. They're fantastic, and, I, and they honestly they, fit, they fit in better on the show than they did in the Flash. They feel, felt larger on, than life on the Flash, but here everybody's egos match so pitch perfect. Yeah, I, I agree. See, well, I th- I think that's another thing with when it comes when it comes you know like Heatwave and Captain Cold is Dominic Purcell and Wentworth Miller work so well together on the Flash they were kind of like those breakout characters. Oh, they were. That, like now it's like okay, what are we going to do with them because we can't put them in every episode that just wouldn't work. And now you have DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Be like, well, what would it be like if we threw two villains into the mix, you know, to travel with them? Oh yeah, yeah. and I loved it. It was like, do you need us to steal anything or kill anybody? No. Nope. Yeah. Okay, we're going to be on board. Yeah. Um. um See, I think that this is going to be – so I don't think that time in this universe is going to be like um, like Doctor Who, where it's all, oh, we can change this. I think the reason that those heroes aren't known in Rip Hunter's time is because Rip Hunter came back and took them out of their time. I th- like we saw with uh, the Doctor – uh, the, the the hawk's son. He, he just disappeared. To... These what things have are yeah, like he just disappeared. Nobody knew how he died. It was thus right. gone. Um, and because and I... they showed up, and because the hawks insisted he come with them, with them, that's how he died. 
Well, this is a great nod. Uh, this series in general, and I think, uh, Ben, I know you probably haven't read this, but TJ, I'm sure, has, um, was a reboot that they did. Well, it was the volume two of Booster Gold from a couple years ago, uh, which was very much focused this way, where they were just, they couldn't really be seen. Like, it was a character that loved the spotlight, but had to fix time. So he oh. had to be as low-key, but it was like he had he had to be the buffoon normally in life. But behind the scenes, he was the one making sure reality stayed together. And that's, yeah. I think, what we're going to see out of these characters. Um, and uh, especially with that Rip Hunter character, because we saw a lot of that of Rip Hunter in the, that book series, too. Yeah, I, I really hope that they still make Booster Gold Rip Hunter's father. Um, I, I'm hoping that by the time Season 2 rolls around, Booster Gold will be back on the table for uh, CW to use. Yeah, I, really I agree. Hope. I hope so, too. Uh, that could actually make some amazing stories. And um, and I think there's a lot of... They have a lot of options to play with with the time travel stuff, knowing what DC has done with it in the past uh, and how how in tune these uh, the producers seem to be to make nods to that stuff. Um, I, I think definitely in general, the, the show was really something very wonderful. I, I'm really looking forward to them spending some time in that time museum on the, the Wave Rider. Which is also a nod, cool. which is also a nod to another old DC character, the Wave Rider, who was another Time Master. Yeah, um, I thought that was funny. Um, but like they did say um, behind the scenes that when they you get to spend some more time in that Time Museum inside that ship, there's going to be a lot of nods for the DC hardcore to be able to pick up, which is pretty cool. And there was another thing too, um, a little bit of a cheap plug that I'll get into it later. But my my podcast. Uh, the other podcast that I do, we actually interviewed one of the cast members of um, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. And one of the things that we got out of him, too, is this show it opens up the possibility of bringing in all those small nods to the DC universe. Characters we thought we would never see, um, you know, on Flash or Arrow. Or, because there's really no place for them in any of the shows that oh, are yeah, on right I mean, now. Here's the place for them. Like, this is right. where they can come in. Like, oh, the fact uh, that we know we're going to get Jonah Hex later this year yeah, makes me really excited. Really excited to see that. Really excited. And you got to speak to, uh, it was uh, Hawkman, uh, was it Falk Henschel? Falk Henschel, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, and by the way, he was extremely awesome to talk to, and um, I was going to bring it up a little bit later on, but I could talk about it right now real quick. One of the things that we had mentioned to him is uh, we... We said, how does it think, how did we think he feels, or David Ramsey feels, that it took, uh, that Falk comes in and immediately gets a badass costume, and in four seasons, uh, David Ramsey's gotten a helmet. <laughs> and, and Falk's response was, all right, let's be fair, it's a badass helmet. <laughs> so, Well, hopefully um, we'll, we'll get a chance to talk to him again in the future on this show. So, Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we have his contact information, so we can absolutely have him on, uh, you know, to talk about DC's Legends of Tomorrow a little bit Wonderful. later on. Um, I do have to say, um, I love seeing Arthur Dalville, um as not the, the kind of goofy comic relief that he was in Doctor yeah. Who. He's the doctor. He's the Chris Eccleston doctor. He is. He's the doctor he in this case. Um, and he's got a gun. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's what's amazing about this, and um, I said it when I saw the show, me and Kat were talking, and um, one of the things that we laughed about was it feels like this show out-doctored Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the uh, moments... I, I, I will I, agree with that statement. 
I think that one, the one moment I really loved is like Rip Hunter. I'm not too familiar with him or not as familiar with him as you guys are. He comes across as this big over the top, you know, character. And then we have that moment in Legends of Tomorrow where you see the humility in him when you find out why he's doing what he's doing. The fact that, you know, Randall Savage killed his family. And you see that moment in a flashback and it's like, okay, there's some real reason behind why he's doing what he's doing. Right. And I loved that moment. Even though it's an excruciatingly sad moment, it's it's fantastic for the show. And it's fantastic yeah, it for the character. Com- it was a good character-defining moment for Rip Hunter. Right. Uh, I think one of the other ones that was my favorite was um, was uh, Brandon Routh's um, little moment where it was his fear of being forgotten. But I kind of like the idea that somebody whose superpower is to shrink, his his fear is being small in the eyes of the world. Yeah. You know, it was a really kind of nice sentiment. I think that was kind of pretty awesome. Yeah, when it was revealed in the show by Rip Hunter, you know, that these guys don't have a future of their own and, you know, they're really, you know, expendable, as you said. I was like, great, episode two, they're going to rename the show to The Expendables. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's D- not going to be DC's Legends of Tomorrow anymore. DC's Expendables. DC's Expendables. Uh, oh, man. I- I'd have to say, honestly, my favorite moment, and it's going to sound stupid, was the bar fight. Oh, I was just going to say it, yeah, too. That, that was, was my fantastic. favorite, too. I adored that moment. Absolutely and it's, adored And it. again, it's a standout moment from Wentworth Miller and um, Dominic Purcell, because that's and, like... And, and Katie, Katie Lotz. Katie Lotz. She was fantastic. I loved how Cold was just standing there holding the beers, like, she seems to have this. I'm okay. And as soon as <laughs> yeah. she says, like, I need help, smash the beers. Let's smash go. the beer on the ground. Yep. I, I'm really excited to see those three characters. I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch together. Um, oh, I think they're going to be a blast. I think Katie Lotz is going to kind of have a lot more screen time with the two the two bad boys, and I think it's going to be cool to see. And I actually think we're going to see somebody else in that mix, too. I think we're going to see a little bit of, uh, from what I've heard, Ray spends a lot of time with them as well. So I think that's going to be kind of fun to see the, the really happy-go-lucky one with the three troublemakers. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. dynamic. And I think that could be really amusing to watch. Um, but, I mean, all around, though, the entire, the entire cast... And the entire ensemble just functions so wonderfully together. And I've um, loved Victor Garber since Alias. I mean, oh, yeah. he's like he's a fantastic character. Uh, you know, like yeah, th- there's not a bad person in this cast, and right? And like, I, I love that we got Gideon again. Like, we get to see the computer and see how that's going to function. Uh, we got another villain aside from Vandal Savage. We have Kronos, um, which was made me very excited because of something we'll talk about at the very end of the show, which is probably just a couple minutes away. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was really cool. Um, real quick, do we guys want to give your last thoughts on this before we get ready to close up the show? Well, I was going to say, um, with this, uh, to wrap this up, uh, since this is the first episode of the show, we can do this, uh, since obviously Arrow and Flasher have already pretty much established themselves. Um, as far as this first episode goes, because I know I'm going to do it, uh, on a scale of, we'll say, one to five, uh, rewatchability of this episode. I already watched it two more times. <laughs> All right, there you I, go. I, I, I'm probably going to give it a five. I'll probably, uh, if I've got some free time this weekend, I might hit it up again. Well, right. we're kind of snowed in, so there's a lot of free time going around yeah. right now. Right, right. <laughs> um, actually, the one thing I wanted to bring up that I want to see at the end of the season of this show, um, and TJ, I don't know if you've thought about this, but something that made me smile is Rip Hunter is known for one thing, Ben, 
is in the old DC ads they used to do every year before the books started coming out and the big crossovers started happening oh, yeah. the year, Rip Hunter did something. And it was a picture that they would always publish that was like this big fold-out. And it was him in front of a chalkboard saying all the events that were about to happen in the near future that he was going to have to deal with or the world was go- that was all of a sudden going to happen to heroes. I would love to see them do that. At yeah, the I'd end love of to this, see him standing in front of a chalkboard sometime. The end of the season, that is a nod to what's coming in Supergirl, Arrow, and The Flash, and DC's Legends of Tomorrow. And no. it just leaves... It leaves viewers guessing for what's to come. And if you um, think about it, in the timeline of the shows that they air, he would be the last moment of exactly. and all of these shows. Cause, because Berlanti and all these guys in DC and CW, like they're good about like Flash and Arrow end at the same time. And I'm sure Supergirl's right. now going to be in there and DC's Legends of Tomorrow is going to be in there. So you're right. He would be the final moment out of all four of these shows. And it's a perfect it's a perfect tease to cap off a season of DC TV. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's how you do it really wonderful and if you want to get people really excited and really make some like comic book fans really geek out, um I think that's a quick way to do it. Yeah. Uh cool. So that was that was I I love the discussion so we'll get into more of that next week with the new episodes as well. But we'll get ready to wrap things up with this. Uh we're going to do that with our DC essentials. We're going to talk a little bit about like some news that's coming up and we're going to give you some recommendations. Uh I want to start off this real quick by saying uh earlier this week at the same time there was a couple specials that aired um along with the Flash there was a special um, that was kind of like a preview to DC's Legends of Tomorrow, and there was a DC Films special that aired as well. Uh, I, I want to give my quick opinion on those specials, and then we can kind of go from there. Uh, okay, I, was I op- didn't actually see either specials, either of the specials, so um, well, part I don't have much to say here. No, it's fine, because you're actually okay having not seen either one. Um because the only thing I really want to say is that when it came to the D- – I was okay with the Legends of Tomorrow one. It was a nice little preamp. Uh, the DC Films one, I love Kevin Smith. He's in his element when he's hosting something like that. But with the exception of the Suicide Squad trailer premiere, that episode, that special was pointless. Yeah, it really was. Um, we got a couple quick shots of some – Wonder Woman stuff that was very early production. Yeah. Uh, you could see there was not a lot of post stuff even prepped for the stuff that they showed. I wish they would have rather just showed us a couple stills. It, it's almost um, like they rushed that footage just to get did. it into this special. And, and that's kind of what it felt like. It was very dark. It was really hard to make out a lot of detail. It was World War One sitting like we all know. Um, and uh, and that's really all we saw. I mean, there's not much to say about it. They didn't show much new in the way of. Batman versus Superman, no. uh, which is fine too because we've already seen. Feels like most of that movie from the last trailer, and um, I you mean, know, we... th- this special pretty much could have been an introduction from Kevin Smith in during a commercial break of the Flash, saying, you know, hey, here's the world premiere of the Suicide Squad, right? And that's all it is. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it was. But I will say that this those two minutes and forty some seconds were Holy fantastic. Hell. That uh, changed my opinion of the DC. Like if. If the if they can hold that tone through the rest they, of their movies, then I'll they got be happy. This. Then and, they yeah. will, they will have it. Yeah, but that's not, to me. This movie stands alone. It's it's not going to be Wonder Woman and one and and uh, Batman v Superman. They're not going to match this tone because those other movies are very dark. It's Zack Snyder going dark with these movies. Whereas Suicide Squad, it's revealed in this that it's got some levity, it's got some humor, um, and, and that's what this DC film universe is missing. They're going yeah. way too dark. You know what? No, yeah. this really, this very much seems like this is 
Suicide Squad is DC's answer to Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And I'm fine with that. Oh my uh, god. Like, more I, than you, fine with that. You know me. I mentioned Man of Steel earlier. I'm not too psyched. I'm not as psyched about Batman v Superman as everybody else is. Right. Um, Wonder Woman, Justice League, I really could care less. Suicide Squad, I will be in theaters day one. Yes, same, I will too. Here. Um, and, um, you know, like I said, it was just a lot of fun. I'm really, really excited about it. I love the choice of Bohemian Rhapsody over the song. It was oh my edited God. together so beautifully. Yeah. Um, I mean, just beautifully done. Um, and we got to see every one of those characters. And you actually, in that trailer, you got to figure out which Suicide member was not going to be in that film long. <laughs> we did? Yes, yeah, Slipknot. They showed him once through that entire oh, thing. So okay. We, I think we pretty much already figured out our expendable uh <laughs> Suicide Squad member, like every every iteration of the Suicide Squad. And I have oh. to say, I, I know there's been some mixed reviews about it with this trailer. There's been some mixed reviews on this trailer, and especially this character in particular. Uh, I cannot wait to see Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Oh, I, think I thought she was fantastic. I, I think I, she's going to kill it. She was perfect. It was all you were doing. It was people were pissed that they didn't get that high-pitched New Jersey-esque yeah. Voice, but you know what? She still looks like she's going to be playing Harley Quinn. That's that's the Harley Quinn that's that the I think part. that honestly, if you still think about all the versions of them, you just change the voice. But that's still the same attitude, and that's fine. Yeah. That's all I needed from it. And I think it's been revealed too that Jared Leto he was very predominant in the trailer uh, as Joker, but I think it's been revealed he's not officially a member of the Suicide Squad. No, he's probably who they're going after, most likely. Uh, um, yeah, from what I've heard, he's the villain. So for the okay. first time in the DC cinematic universe history, there will be a, a there will be a movie where Joker is the villain and Batman's not the hero. Even and though he is supposed to play a cameo in the it's film. A, but again, just a cameo, but you know what? That again, I'm really fine with that. I like to see that we're going to get to see the really dark underside of this world that's not attached to Man of Steel. And that um, cameo actually in essence could be the origin of Harley Quinn. I mean, it might be before she's even locked up, yeah, you know, yeah. becomes a member of the Suicide Squad. So, I mean, those scenes in the trailer with Harley and Joker together, with Batman supposedly riding on the roof of the car, that could right. all be beginning of the movie before any of this even comes to fruition with the Suicide Squad. Right. That's my thought on it. Um, but uh, it, it, I also thought it would be funny is if Batman's ca big cameo came at the end. Suicide Squad burst in. They're about to take on the Joker, and Batman comes through the through the window, knocks the Joker out of one punch, <laughs> looks at the Suicide Squad and goes, why did you burst in and ruin everything? Or, like, I got this. Like, these guys are working the whole movie to take him uh, down and Batman See, that would, that, would be a, that would be a wonderfully fitting end. I think yeah. that would actually be wonderful. I would love to see that. Um, yeah, no, it was an awesome trailer. Um, absolutely adored it, and I can't wait to see it. And honestly, who knew that there would be a film out there that makes me actually like Jai Courtney as an actor? <laughs> oh, I know. That, the, the, the scene with her was hysterical. Oh, yeah, him cracking the beard, ducking that was behind fantastic. the car. Beautiful. And, and the music stops while he uh -huh. does it, uh, which is great. Yeah, but I just even love him coming out. coming. Spot. Oh, yeah, coming out of the body bag and just laying punches, and it was just wonderful. Like, he looks like he's going to be fun in that, and... uh Will Smith didn't seem very just straight up Will Smithy either, which was kind of nice. It was felt like we we're going to see a different version of him too. Yeah, I agree. Well, uh, so, it, oh, go ahead. Oh, I keep saying that if we get Will Smith, the actor who does things like concussion, we're going to get a great version of Death's, uh, Deadshot. If yeah. we get Will Smith, the guy who shows up Did in Wild Wild Will West, Smith, we're in for shit. 
Yeah. yeah. If but we, you know yeah, what? If I we think... get concussion Will Smith over Wild Wild West Will Smith, we'll be fine. Yeah. Yes, I, exactly. I, I think I think we're going to start seeing more of that side from him as an actor nowadays anyway. Um, I, that didn't feel like – the way – him taking this role didn't feel like a cash out for some odd reason. It felt kind of like it was going to work, especially when you look at the rest of the cast. There was yeah. a lot of bigger names, but nobody seemed to outshine anybody in that trailer. Oh, and um, can we take a, just a second to appreciate Viola Davis? Oh, yeah. She's going to be amazing. She's going to be wonderful in that movie, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like the big, huge – I don't know. Was there any other big news DC-wise I think that came out this week? Uh, with the, I mean, we had mentioned, obviously, that Jonah Hex is being cast for DC's right. Legends of Tomorrow. Right. Uh, the Suicide Squad uh, trailer premiere. I think that's really all I've heard okay. over the um, course of the week. Well, let's get to real quick. We'll wrap this episode up with uh, issue. Our, uh, just uh, oh yeah, our issue, <laughs> our issue. Uh, with a, I had two really fast recommendations for people. Um, one of the things out there was is uh, we talked about a podcast episode of Fat Man on Batman uh, that I think everybody should check out that listened to this episode. Uh, is Passion of the Kreisberg is the name of the episode. It's uh, episodes 102 and 103 of Fat Man on Batman. That it's, you can a, find. It's, it's about a good three hours total, so oh, give, yeah. yourself, give yourself some time. But it's, uh, it's an amazing three hours. And uh, if you want to actually hear the sad fate of well, actually not the sad fate, but if you want to hear about what that Green Lantern movie that we had with Ryan Reynolds was supposed to be, you will kind of cry after you hear what that movie yeah. was going to be. And it was uh, it sounded like it could have been something really amazing. Uh, but definitely check that out. Highly recommend listening to that. Um, but the last thing, though, too, is uh, DC Legends of Tomorrow also gave us a character by the name of Kronos. And um, when I saw him, I kind of got giddy and smiled because... There is my two favorite all-time episodes of Justice League Unlimited, which was an animated series on Cartoon Network a couple years back, which is all available on Netflix, so everybody can easily check this out. But if you go to the end of Season 1, which is Episodes 12 and 3, Kronos is the big bad. So if you want to see a little bit more of an altered version of that character, the episode is called The Once uh, the Once and Future Thing. It's Part uh, Part 1 is Episode 12, Part 2 is Episode 13. It is some of the coolest stuff, and you get to see a ton of amazing cameos like Jonah Hex as well, uh, Batman Beyond, and a future version of a Twisted Dark Justice League is in that. Really amazing watch, really enjoyable. You know, you bring up Batman Beyond, and I want to I want to say this real quick. How awesome would it be if in a future if in a future storyline with DC's Legends of Tomorrow we get to see him? If we got to see Terry McGinnis, I would smile. Even if it's just Terry McGinnis. Like, it doesn't even have to be the Batman Beyond character because they might not have the rights to do it. Uh, but if we just get, like, the quick little nod to Terry McGinnis, that would be awesome. See, I, I think, think they do, um, uh, like, Green Arrow Beyond. Like, we'd have a futuristic version of Green Arrow somewhere. Well, there was a big rumor also in this past week that we were going to see Connor Hawk grown up. As yeah. the new Green Arrow in DC's Legends of Tomorrow. So that'll be pretty cool. So we yeah, do get to cool. see the successor. So maybe that's when we're going to see Wally as the Flash. Yes. And I just want to say, too, I just want to say, too, to the, 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 this rumor mill has been going around for a while. It's kind of died down at the moment, but it pops up every once and again. And I just want to settle this because this came, it didn't come up exactly in that uh, Passion of the Christberg, but it's kind of touched base on a little bit in an odd way. There's rumors, it's been in the rumor mill for a while, that Tom Welling could possibly show up on one of these shows as Superman for a cameo appearance. Uh, let's quell that right now. As much as I would love to see it, it's not going to happen because no. these shows do not have the rights to Superman. Yeah. Right? 
Um, and that's very true. Uh, like I said, we're going to see a young Clark Kent. Uh, we do know in a flashback sequence on Supergirl later this season, uh, they just cast a young actor that uh, I forget the kid's name offhand. But um, we do know we're going to see that, but I don't think we're ever going to see an adult grown-up Superman in this universe, unfortunately. No, because if, uh, if the show to do it, if they were going to do it, it would be Supergirl more than any other. And, right, yeah. and they can't even do it because the films have the rights to Superman right now. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's all those points for me in the DC Essential. Um, See, I, I have... think it would be interesting if they did a if they did Clark Kent Supergirl. You never saw him as Superman, but he shows up and he goes, "Hey, I'm just here to visit." You know, and at the end of the episode, Kara comes back to her house. Clark Kent's got his feet up on the couch, uh, on the table, eating ice cream. She goes, "Well, where the hell were you? You had it." Well, how could you possibly do that though? With with unless you got Henry Cavill to play a cameo in the show and do it. No, um, I, I don't think I don't think you need Henry Cavill. I think you just need a guy who looks good as Clark Kent. No, just get Brandon. Just get I was Brandon. Just, I was just going to gonna say that. Get Brandon <laughs> Ralph to come over and do it. Um, but um, the two things I want to list for essential right now uh, for DC Essentials right now is uh, it's a little off collar of what you did with the comic books and everything. I actually want to make a suggestion to anybody who's a fan of the shows to follow Stephen Amell and John Barrowman on Facebook. If yes. you're on Facebook. Because they post a ton of stuff, they broadcast live all the time, especially Barrowman, because uh, we're we're kind of snowed in right now uh, on the East Coast because of the huge blizzard, and they are too. They're actually in Secaucus, New Jersey, right now for a convention that got canceled. Um, <laughs> so they Barrowman especially has been broadcasting live a ton <laughs> of stuff on his Facebook of how they're having fun in the snow. That's awesome. Um, he challenged Stephen Amell to go outside and make snow angels. I mean, it's Barrowman is a character in himself. So when you put the four of them together, stranded in a hotel, it's been I've loved following them on Facebook today and yesterday. It's been fantastic. And Robbie Amell is with them. Katrina Law is with them. There's a bunch of people there. So if you don't already and you're on Facebook, follow John Barrowman and Stephen Amell on Facebook because it's worth the follow. Oh, and uh, one last one, real quick, just because uh, for an offshoot, Mike and Tom eat snacks. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, Michael Ian Black and Tom Cavanaugh, who plays Harrison Wells. Um, it's just them having a podcast of the two of them rating eating snack food, and they're about forty minutes long, and they're stupid and fun. Oh my god! So... Great. <laughs> you introduced me to them. You told me about them, I and I listened to one or two, and they're they're fantastic. They're so good. It's it's ridiculous, but uh, I guess that's I guess that's it for issue number one. TJ, did you have anything to add to Essentials, or? Uh, no, actually, you guys covered most of what I had, so. Okay. Excellent. Uh, cool, yeah, so that, that, and that wraps up ep uh, issue one, I almost did it, uh, issue one of DC Essentials. So, uh, next week, we will return next week when we'll discuss um, Supergirl, Arrow, and Flash episodes 11, DC's legends of tomorrow episode two we'll bring you some more news that came across during the week if any uh and as well as make some other recommendations for you so guys let's wrap this up all right um and uh we'll see you guys next week yep see you next week sounds good <laughs>